so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Hallelujah. Thanks Carl, thanks Eliza, thanks Andrew. Thanks for joining us everyone. If you've, uh, if you've just uh, tuned in or you've just walked into the building, a huge welcome to you and uh, feel blessed and and uh, I guess yeah my my, uh, my prayer and also just yes we're, we're worshiping together then I just um, yeah I guess really felt like the, the, the soaking rains but um, the yeah I guess just the, the, that music and that and that song that worship just really soaking over me and um, yeah I'm just excited so much for what God's gonna do um, cool well just a, a quick announcement uh, next week, we're going to be sharing communion together, individually sharing communion together. Uh, so if you're at home, uh, if you're going to be streaming from home next week, uh, if you can prepare that, prepare some uh, some juice or, or wine if you want at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, and some bread or something. It doesn't actually really matter too much what it is. It can be water, uh, just something uh, symbolic to, to remind us of the, the blood and, and body of Jesus. Uh, and we'll be sharing that together. And if you're in the building with us next week uh, we'll have some individually portioned out uh, juice and bread to be sharing individually together um, cool I'm going to invite uh, Josh to come up and do the Bible reading and uh, release these guys to sit down uh, so Josh what uh, what book of the Bible are you reading from John John chapter 1 to 15 cool. John chapter 3 Verses 1 to 15. All right, so you can look that up in your Bibles. Thanks, Josh. Now the, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these the miraculous signs you have you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless the, he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everybody born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are... Israel's teacher said Jesus and do you not understand these things I tell you the truth we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen but still you people do not accept our testimony I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, 
the son of man just as moses lifted up the snake in the desert so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life thanks joshua great reading All right, i'm going to invite nick up he's going to uh bring us a word now I'm super excited for uh, what God has to share with us this morning through, through Nick. Uh, and one of the reasons, I'm not actually exactly sure everything that Nick's uh, going to be preaching about, but I'm, I'm super excited because uh, this morning <laughs> Satan really didn't want Nick to, uh, to come to church, or at the very least he wanted Nick to come to church in a grumpy mood and unprepared. There was uh, an array of things that happened this morning uh, physically in, in, in Nick's home life, uh, not to do with his family or anything <laughs> like that, more house and cars and things breaking and, and it all happened this morning as, as he, they were trying to get out the door to go to church. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited for, for what Amen. Satan was trying to stop happening this morning. So Amen. be prepared. I'm going to pray for Nick and, mm, uh, and then I'll release Keep him out. to, oh yeah, so yeah. yes, from 1.5 metres apart. Uh, Father God, we thank you for uh, thank you for Nick. Father God, we thank you for um, yeah what you've prepared in his heart this morning, and um, yeah what you're going to release through his lips this morning, Father God. Uh, we're just waiting in anticipation for everything that you are going to do, Father God. Everything that you're going to speak to us, Father God, mm, and the way you're going to change us and prepare us for uh, for for things to come. Amen. 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 Is this am I on? You can hear me. Yeah. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to those in the building. Uh, welcome to new faces, whether you're joining us online for the first time or in the building uh, for the first time. It's good to uh, welcome new faces to church. And thanks, Dan, for praying. Uh, it wasn't the best of mornings or, or evenings even. Um, you know, thank God for the rain. Uh, we pray now that the rain would stay outside of our home and not uh, find its way inside it. Um, and I won't go into what else has been going on this morning. But I do get a sense of excitement. Um, uh, I think that it's in a sense of a couple things you're like, oh, this is frustrating. But then, you know, when you go out to the car and the car's battery is dead, you're like, all right, bring it on, Satan. Um, and so, yeah. We, we, we pray that uh, this morning, and again, as I've said last week, and I say the same this week, it's not about, oh, this is going to be a great sermon today. Um, I could preach a really horrible constructed sermon and God's word would still be powerful. Amen? Um, so let's not look to the quality of the preaching this morning, but to the quality of God's word. Um, and so we are in John chapter 3, and thank you, Josh, for reading. Uh, what an excellent job you did of reading this morning. Um, we're in John chapter 3, and so uh, we're, we're working through this series of John's gospel. We're talking about the good news of Jesus according to John. Uh, and so uh, this series is focusing in on Jesus. Our theme for this year is abide. Uh, our theme is to uh, be, be digging into what it means to abide in Jesus. Uh, and also in uncertain times, the, the best thing for us to do is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, and so uh, we, we've talked a bit about shaping the new normal in a, in a previous series, but now we're just we're in this space of we don't know how long, we don't know when, and so we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, and so we're going to stick with John's gospel. And so last week we talked about Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding. Uh, it was his first sign, John tells us, and he showed us uh, that his answer to our lack is abundance. He showed us through that sign that he is better than all else. And so this week we find Jesus 
in Jerusalem. And so after the wedding, Jesus uh, said he waited a few days and then he went off to Jerusalem uh, for, for the Passover. And, and so I want to jump back a little bit before what Josh read for us this morning into John chapter 2. Uh, and we're told in John chapter 2, uh, in verse 23, 24 and 25, the last three verses of John's second chapter, we're told that now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. And so we've spoken about how John's gospel, his goal is to lead us towards belief. We've spoken about the goal of the signs is to lead us towards belief. And so Jesus was in Jerusalem. He performed many signs, and we're told that many believed in him, but Jesus wouldn't entrust himself to them. He wouldn't turn himself fully over to them. So the question it lingers, what does belief look like? What does faith look like? What kind of faith is Jesus looking for? And so then we have this story. We have this story of a man named Nicodemus who's an example of all of those who believed in some sense because of the science. And so Nicodemus came to Jesus in darkness. We're told there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And so Nicodemus is a Pharisee. That means that he is a religious zealot. He's a, he's a member of the most uh, religious sect of Judaism. We see them criticised a lot in the New Testament for their refusal to accept Jesus, but, but really they were the faithful of Jesus' day. They were the ones who had, who had uh, put their faith in God and were really expecting the Messiah to come. They just were expecting something different and so they rejected Jesus. But, but, but so all that to say is Nicodemus is a faithful Jew. We're told that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, there, there's reason to believe from, from Jesus referring to him later in this chapter as, as rabbi, as teacher, that there's reason for us to believe that he was quite a prominent teacher, a well-known man in Judaism. And so he believes that God is with Jesus. He's seen the signs. He can see that Jesus is from God. Yet he comes to Jesus in darkness. He, he comes hidden in the shadows. He, he has much to lose and so he doesn't want to let go of what he's holding on to in his status, in his uh, well-renowned teacher status, in his status as a member of the Jewish ruling council, in his status as a Pharisee. He doesn't want to let go of that to grasp Jesus. He doesn't want to lose anything. He's reaching towards Jesus, but not letting go of what he holds already. And so he comes in darkness. And now, what, one of the things we looked at last week to jump out of this story is that Jesus is worth more. 
than anything else. And, and so Nicodemus is not at that point where he's willing to let go of everything else. Like Paul said that I consider all things excrement for the sake of knowing Jesus. Uh, Nicodemus is not at that point. He's got some level of belief, but it's hidden in the darkness, in the shadows. And so Jesus' response to him is a bit of a shock. He says in verses 3 and 4, uh, Jesus responds to Nicodemus' statement that, that God must be with Jesus. He says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are already old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. And so Nicodemus comes in darkness, but, but Jesus will have nothing of this half-hearted faith. Jesus will have nothing of this faith that clings to the old while it's trying to reach to the new. And so Jesus says to, to enter the kingdom, to even see the kingdom, a person has to be reborn. Born again. There has to be a complete rebirth, a complete new life, a complete transformation. And, and so Nicodemus is confused. He's like, well, how could I be born again? This seems like, you know, there's some bizarre religious practices out there, but being born again must be one of the most bizarre in Nicodemus' eyes. And so if we're hung around the church for a while, if we've kind of been uh, even, you know, in, in a culture that has some Christian representation, we'll have probably heard this phrase, born again. And so we've got some sense of familiarity to it. Some of us kind of, yeah, it's a, you're a real born again Christian. And so there's a, there's a sense of excitement around the word. And for some of us, like, oh, those, those born again ones are the worst. They're, they're... <laughs> so we've got some sense of familiarity with this phrase. And we're like, oh yeah, well, he doesn't mean literally born again. But, but if we put ourselves in Nicodemus's shoes, this is, this is a, a new mind-blowing concept for him. This is a radical idea. Jesus says to see the kingdom, you have to be born again. The Greek word for again is anothen, which means kind of two things, actually. It means born again, it means again, but, but it also means from above. And so Jesus is kind of meaning two things here. It's, it's a new birth, but, it, but it's also a birth from above. And, and, and we'll see in a moment as we go on to Jesus explaining this, Jesus' focus is on being born by the Spirit, being born from above, but, but Nicodemus is anchored in the earthly, in what's happening in the here and now. And so this, this word can mean two things. It can mean being born from above, being born of the Spirit, or it can mean like a, just a natural repeat being born again. Jesus means one thing, Nicodemus hears another, and, and so he's confused. He's confused because his focus for how salvation happens is something that he must do. He is an extremely religious man. He's a Pharisee. He, he is a zealot for being religious. And so the spirit of religion is, what do I need to do to be saved? What, what, what act do I need to perform? And so, so Nicodemus is anchored in the, what can I do 
to gain salvation. And so he's thinking, well, I can't do that. I cannot enter my mother's womb again to be born again. And so Jesus is trying to take Nicodemus away from that idea, that religious, legalistic idea of there being something that he can do. He's trying to say that that salvation, that entering into the kingdom, even seeing the kingdom, comes from something God does, not something we do. It's been born from above, but his, his religious mind can't yet see that. And so Jesus explains more. He says in verses uh, 5 and 7, 5 to 7, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh give birth, gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And so Jesus is making clear the kind of birth that he's thinking about. He's making clear that he's not talking about a, a flesh birth. We've all had that birth. We've all been given birth to, someone's given birth to us in the flesh. He's saying that's not the kind of rebirth he's talking about. It's not a renewal of being born in the flesh. It's not a do-over of that. It's, it's a different kind of birth. It's a, a birth of water and spirit. And so when Jesus is talking about being born of water here, we might think that refers to you know, the natural, you know, we talk about the waters breaking or, or um, some people may even have a water birth into the bathtub. Um, Jesus is not saying that you have to be born in a bathtub to enter the kingdom. Uh, that idea of water been associated, that, that language for birth was foreign to Jesus' day. So he's not talking about, well, you have to first have your water birth, your natural birth, and then your spiritual birth. He's talking here about the idea of baptism, of being renewed. Not that you have to have had that baptism, you can't be saved without being baptized. He's talking about the idea of repentance of this turning from our old life and being reborn in spirit. Uh, we can see as he goes on, the emphasis here is more about the spirit. It's the spirit's renewing work, the Holy Spirit's renewing work in us that gives us rebirth. And so what Jesus is saying, that, that to enter the kingdom, to see the kingdom, to be born again is not something you can do. It's not something your mother can do for you. It's something that only God can do in you. And he's saying it's something that is required to see, to enter the kingdom, to be saved. He said you can't go in. You can't see without this rebirth. And so Jesus is saying it's, it's, it's not just something that's an addition, an add-on. It's, it's the very essence of salvation is that we need complete renewal. We are completely lost. Nothing of our old self or our old systems of self-righteousness will see or gain access to the kingdom. See, Nicodemus comes in darkness. He wants to hold on to the old religious system, but he says, well, well there's, God is with this man, Jesus, and so he wants to grasp 
for the newness in that and he wants to hold those things together but Jesus is saying you have to let go of you have to repent you have to turn away from represented in baptism to grab hold of the new He's saying there's nothing in this old system, this old way of life, this, this old being, this old religious, legalistic faith that can bring you salvation. There's nothing worth holding on to here. And so the Apostle Paul, as he reflected on this reality he, he, he wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 one a famous scripture he, he said of of those in Christ he said therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here and, and so the apostle Paul picked up this idea that that what we need is not just a a, a greater degree of legalistic effort what we need is, is not just a more fundamentalist faith in terms of religious practice what we need is to be made completely new in ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 to 24 he spoke about this reality again um, this is the apostle paul again and he said you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new not to make yourself new, but to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so the, the Apostle Paul sees this as he reflects on Jesus. And, and this is what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus. He's, he's meeting him in the darkness, but he's calling him into the light. He's meeting him in the tension between trying to hold on to the old while reaching for the new, and he's, he's calling for Nicodemus to let go of the old. To put off all of that and to grab hold of the new that is only found in Jesus. If we want to see a picture of what this transformation, this new birth looks like, uh, we can turn to Luke's gospel for an illustration. There was a tax collector named Zacchaeus and, and he was not a, a popular man. Uh, because he essentially robbed his people, his own people, so that uh, he would financially profit. And, and so if we know the story, Jesus um, is walking along and Zacchaeus uh, climbs a tree because uh, he just wants to catch a glimpse of this man Jesus that he's heard about. Uh, he, he's essentially kind of doing a bit of a Nicodemus. He, he's doing it in public, but he's, he's climbing up a tree. He's, he's, he's not at this point saying... Oh, I lay it all down before Jesus. He's not trying to make himself new. He just wants a glimpse of Jesus. And so we're told that Jesus, walking along, looked up to the tree and, and called him by name and said, you know, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have lunch at your house today. Uh, and Jesus copped a lot of flack for this uh, from the Pharisees and said, you know, why is he going to eat with a sinner? Um, and... Uh, Zacchaeus was the one who responded on Jesus' behalf. He encountered Jesus, in a sense, in the shadows, but, but Jesus invited him to come out of the shadows, invited him to invite Jesus into his life. And, and so Zacchaeus responds, and in verse 8 he says, Look, Lord, speaking to and for Jesus, 
Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And so Jesus is saying salvation had come to Zacchaeus' house. In, in the language of John's gospel, he would say this man has uh, entered into the kingdom of God. Uh, in the language Jesus used on the cross, Zacchaeus, though he was not yet dead, had entered into the paradise uh, that was awaiting all of us who put our trust in him. But, but this is a, an example of what that being born again looked like. Zacchaeus didn't earn his salvation through really trying hard and, and becoming more religious and attending church more often and reading his Bible more and, um, and you know, doing all of these religious practices. He encountered Jesus. He looked to Jesus and he was just simply a new person. He was born again. It was, it was a work of God in his life. It's not something that we can do. I wonder if part of Nicodemus's problem here and perhaps part of all of our problem, perhaps part of, I guess, the Western world's problem is that we just want to understand it before we trust it. He's, he's grappling with, how do I understand what Jesus is on about here? This, this new birth thing. And so Jesus says to him in, in verse 8, the blimp with a little he doesn't say that. He says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying, There's something about this that you cannot understand. So the Pharisees were all about trying to understand. They were the, the, the peak theologians of their day and Nicodemus was chief amongst them of trying to understand, understand God's word, but understand what must we do, what righteous acts must we perform in order to be saved and see God's kingdom. They were trying to understand. And, and so understanding is not bad in itself. But Jesus reminds Nicodemus, and, and I hope he's reminding us today, and, and, and it's a reminder that the Western world needs. We're very scientific-minded. We want to understand. And you can see it in, in scientific pursuits to understand the origins of the universe and, and how things can be. We end up with, we're trying to get that grand theory, and certain theories work to a point, but then when you get really small, it kind of flips on its head, and it works the opposite way. I'm not a physicist, so you can correct me in your comments online, but, but you can see in the scientific pursuit of the Western world is we want to understand everything, but the closer we get to it, the further understanding seems to move away. And so Jesus reminds Nicodemus, you must be born again, and he reminds him that there's things about this you cannot understand. Some of the way God works in us to renew us, to bring uh, that place of being born again in Him is, is something we cannot understand. We cannot understand how Zacchaeus one minute goes from a thief and a betrayer of his people to being a blesser of his people financially, a giver instead of a thief, someone who was lost to save. We cannot understand that fully. 
Yes, he encountered Jesus. Yes, yes, something's obviously happened inside of him, but, but there's things about that that we simply cannot understand. And so as we explore John's gospel, we're on that journey of understanding Jesus. We're on that journey of understanding theology. I encourage you in that. That is something that's good to do. But, but I want to say this morning, do not let your need to understand fully keep you from trusting fully. Jesus says the wind blows from here to there. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going, but you can see its impact. And he says, so it is with those born by the Spirit. We can't fully understand the work of the Spirit on a person's life, but we can see its impact. Just as we could see it in Zacchaeus, just as we can see it in one another, just as we can perceive it in our own lives, we can see the working of the Spirit, but if we restrain the working of, our spirit, of the Spirit in our spirit, in our life, if we restrain the working of the Spirit to our level of understanding, then we're going to get a very minimized impact of the Spirit on our life. His ways are higher than our ways. And so Zacchaeus, uh, sorry, Nicodemus, too many names, still doesn't get it. In in verse uh, 9 he says, How can this be? How can this be? And so we don't know if he's still stuck on the re-entering his mother's womb thing. We don't know if he's stuck on that, but I perhaps think that he's stuck on pondering how can rebirth in a spiritual sense, how can transformation, how can renewal actually take place? He was a teacher, he was a, he was a rabbi, he was, I guess, a student not just of theology, but a student of human nature. And, and, and so I think here he's saying, well, how could that be, Jesus? How can a person not just physically be reborn, but how can someone be reborn, renewed, made new? How can it be? And the thing is, Nicodemus has a point. Because we cannot renew ourselves. We we can modify our behaviour and and if there's dysfunctional, ineffective behaviours in our life, we should seek to modify them, but, but we can modify our behaviour, but we cannot make ourselves be reborn. Not in our own capacity. See, Nicodemus is no fool. He's, he's not slow to understand here, I don't think. He's, he's saying, how could that be? How can you say that a person has to be made new? It's like this, this, this moment where, where Peter says then, If a rich man can't enter the kingdom of God, then no one can, Jesus. Salvation is impossible. And and Jesus responds, yeah, you got it, Peter. That's correct. But all things are possible with God. I I think that this is Nicodemus' moment like that. And so Jesus, over the next few verses, which we're going to jump over, as I said, the sermon doesn't contain all of the book. Read the book. In verse 14, he he gives the answer to how can this be? He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. 
And so while Israel were, were wandering the wilderness, this, this thing happened where uh, there was all these venomous snakes that were kind of attacking Israel and feasting out on them and lots of people were dying. And, and so God instructed Moses to make a bronzed uh, snake and, and lift it up at a pole in the center of the camp. And so what would happen is if someone was bitten and they looked to the snake, they would be healed. And so it was just another thing. This journey through the wilderness was all about them learning to trust in God for everything, for manna in the morning, for, for water. And this was a very extreme case where they had to learn to trust God. God didn't take the snakes away. He gave them a bronze snake to look to, to be healed from the venomous bites. I'm glad I wasn't an Israelite in that day. We've had one snake in our building. That was one too many. Uh, and Carl's shaking at the back there with post-traumatic stress of uh, worshipping through the brown snake incident of 2020. That was this year. That feels like 17 years ago, but anyway. And so Jesus is saying, just as, as God through Moses gave Israel something to look to for their healing, Jesus is going to be the means of humanity's healing. Just as the snake was lifted up, Jesus is going to be lifted up. And so in the language of John's gospel, that means Jesus is going to be lifted up upon the cross. The answer to Nicodemus is, how can this be, is the cross. That Jesus will be lifted up, nailed to a cross, bearing the illness the sin, the shame, bearing everything of the old life that Nicodemus and we try and cling to, Jesus will bear all of that and be lifted up on the cross so that we can let it go. So that's the only way we can let go of the old, the old sins, the old shame, the old failures, the old illness, the old weakness, the old self-righteous attempts to make ourselves right before God. Jesus being lifted on the cross is the only way that we can let go of that and reach to the new life, the, the born-again life that he calls us into. Jesus' sacrifice makes our new birth possible. And so the question that lingers here, we might be thinking, well, I wonder how Nicodemus responded to that. He shows up a couple more times in John's Gospel and we might loosely describe him as pro-Jesus. In one of the Jewish council meetings, uh, when, when they're all trying to kill Jesus, um, he says, well, should we at least kind of hear his side of things first? And he gets kind of slammed there. And after Jesus' crucifixion, we see him being one of the people that uh, comes and helps bury Jesus and provides the, the spices and, 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 and ointments required for the customs of the day. So we can loosely describe him as pro-Jesus. Just as when he comes... In darkness to Jesus, he's kind of loosely pro-Jesus. God's with you, I can see that. We don't get to see how he responds in the space of, of, of genuine faith, of being reborn. And, and John intentionally leaves that question lingering for us. Because what's important today is not how did Nicodemus respond. What's important today is how do you respond. What's important today is... What do you do with Jesus' words to see the kingdom? You must be born again, born from above. The choice is a very either-or choice. 
We cannot cling to the old and grasp the new in Jesus. And John himself goes on to reflect on this moment. Uh, we actually don't know where Jesus' words end and, and John's reflection begins, but, but we think that John 3.16, that famous verse, isn't actually on the lips of Jesus, but is John reflecting on what Jesus has said. But, but anyway, John goes on to say, and we're going to finish in a moment, in reflection of this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's that, the reflection on what it means for Jesus to be lifted up upon the cross. Jesus coming to save. And, and so John says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And, and so John's saying the choice is binary. You cannot come to Jesus in the shadows, clinging to your old life in secret, grasping for Jesus. Your arms aren't long enough to hold on to both. You must be born again. John goes on. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because of their deeds were evil. And so he's saying, Nicodemus can see that God is with Jesus. Perhaps he doesn't yet see that, as we looked at in John chapter 1, God's not just with Jesus, Jesus is God, but he can see, but he's, he's staying in the darkness. And so Jesus is calling him into light. It says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God or through God, some translations would say. There's a lot there that we could unpack, but we'll get Carl to come up and going to worship that what i want to grasp from that this morning from those reflections of john on this moment with nicodemus is the choice is binary you cannot continue to hold on to the things of this world whatever they may be maybe it's your status as a pharisee and a member of the jewish ruling council maybe it's your belief that oh, i'm not really that bad of a person Maybe it's your belief that you know, if you just attend church often enough, you'll be saved. Maybe it's your belief that you don't need Jesus. You cannot hold on to that and have Jesus. The choice is binary with Jesus. It's all or nothing. Nicodemus tried to have both, and in some sense, we're all Nicodemus. But you know what? Jesus met Nicodemus in the darkness. He met him where he was at. And so if that's where you're at this morning, if your faith, if your belief in Jesus is, is in that space of, oh, it's not an out loud thing. It's, it's not a for everyone to see thing. It's, I think there's something in this Jesus guy, but... I'm not ready to bring that into a light, then we can have confidence from this story that, that Jesus will meet you there. But that's not where salvation is found. That's not where we live in the fullness of God's kingdom. It's when we let go of that.
when we hear Jesus call to step into the light, to say, it's not what I can do, but it's what God can do in me, to let go and receive, to be reborn by the Spirit. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to know that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn you. He came to save you. Maybe there's some of us this morning who are here or joining us online that we've had a season in our life where we've just proclaimed the name as boldly, but but it's become something that we kind of do in the shadows, maybe in this season or, or just we've become a little bit fearful. And so maybe this morning the call of Jesus is to put it back into the light. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. It's our human nature, Lord, to want everything. To want everything the world offers, to to want to live in the old life and yet still have Jesus. It's our human nature. We think, why can't we have both? so this morning by your spirit wherever we're at whether we're not yet fully believing into Jesus, whether we're in a space where our faith has become a hidden thing, I pray that your spirit would move in this room in every household where we're gathered this morning, I pray that your spirit would move upon us as we release the old, we pray that you would bring us in to the fullness of new life, of being born from above. In the power and the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.